0: You're listening to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast, brought to you by Phil Better Inc. If you want to take your podcast to the next level, make sure you book your free 15 minute call with Phil Better, the podcast mogul, at www.fillbetterinc.com. Welcome to Investing Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm the host, your host, with the host Phil Better, and today's episode I am pleased to have Jancho the uh, Dan. Cho, the CEO and founder of Buzzbee Solutions, Uh, Dan Cho. Thank you so much for being on the show. How about you give us a quick introduction to learn more about you?
1: Sure, sure. Phil, hello. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to to share my story here. as an executive summary, I'm a business consultant first, and I also in i I'm also a founder and CEO of BSB solution. You can see the logo behind me. And here in BSB, we call it chief executive B. Because everything is B-related. We have chief marketing B, chief executive B. And for the last six years, I run BsB. I build it from scratch with four, actually, first myself as a freelancer. Then I included my wife, then a few interns. And now we're 25, 26 people, full-time in-house employees.
0: Wow. That's that's awesome. That's great. That's great.
1: I just got lucky probably, but there was a lot of journeys and ups and downs because yeah, as an entrepreneur, there are obstacles. And you know, when you get to the first obstacle, it defines you. You either think, ah, I've tried, I hit a roadblock, that's it. Or you're just going to start finding ways around it because once you pass that obstacle, there's going to be another one and another one and another one. And that's actually how you grow at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and uh, I was reading, obviously we have the pre-questionnaire for season four, and I was reading how you're a growth enthusiast, and I, I love that, and uh, the name of the episode will be The Growth Enthusiast, because you're, mm, nice. you, you grow, and like you said, every challenge you face, any obstacle you face, you have to overcome, and you grow from that, so I'm excited to learn some of the...
1: Uh, well- Awesome. Awesome. In, in B, the growth now became the keyword because you know I started as an individual, then I growed it into a business, but then I've realized that if I want to further grow, I need to grow the employees to become better. And then we need to grow the services into becoming solutions and more complicated and sophisticated. And at the end of the day, now we specialize in growing other businesses. So the growth kind of came as a keyword and it stuck. We we use it quite often.
0: I, I love it. Um so you started did you start Busby? Uh, and I, first of all, I love that you don't, you, you took out the CEO style and you're like, no, we're buzz where everything is B. So it's chief executive B chief marketing B. I love yeah. that. And owning that, you making it your own and being a unique, you know, just like all entrepreneurs are super unique. So I love how you're making that your uniqueness. Um, w- w- what made you want to decide to start Busby?
1: Well, first, it's BSB. I I see it's business B, like a work hardworking B. But interestingly, I was working in a software company uh, as a business development representative and in a corporate world, I was getting paid quite a lot, but, you know, the, I was more passionate about entrepreneurs and startups. So full-time corporate work, after work, I was working on, you know, the freelance gigs, freelance platforms where you work with entrepreneurs, some has a fantastic idea and they want to conquer the world usually too ambitious, but still, uh, they uh, they needed some business guidance. For example, either a market research or competition or complete business plan. So I found myself at one point that, yeah, I do the eight-hour work corporate, boring. And after that, I was actually doing eight hours, the exciting with the entrepreneurs. And at some point, I actually started making more money after work than during the work time. And that was actually the judgment day when I said, you know what? I really am more passionate about working with entrepreneurs, with startups, with people that are excited that they're going to create something of value. And that's the the timeline when I said, okay, I'm quitting my job. I took my wife with me and we became the digital nomad. And, you know, Phil, the digital nomad is you travel around Europe, uh, you hop in a city, work for a few days, move to a next one, stay in, in France, in Netherlands, in Germany, in Italy. So... We actually visited more than 30 different countries in in several months' time frame. Well, it was in a car, so you drive, it's late, you don't have money for accommodation, you sleep in the car, no problem. Then you work a bit on the laptops in a bar, make some money, travel a bit further, stay for a few days. And it was really really refreshing and free because you can wake up every day in a different city and looking at very experiencing different stuff and we actually get that going for for a few months already but at some point you know the digital nomad is very exciting for a young person at 20 ish that you don't have any obligation no mortgage to think about and everything but at some point when you start thinking about family digital nomad doesn't work you're actually considering well health insurance uh i need to put some roots somewhere and uh, as a digital nomad when you get sick you, you don't get health coverage. So if you have five days sick, you don't earn money for five days. And at that point, we said, you know what, we actually need to create a company that's going to start growing. And at some point, we can just take a step back and keep the company on its own to be self-sustainable. And that is how actually we got the idea for having a BSB solution. And we started with four interns. So we couldn't really afford something fancy. We found a very old building to rent, an apartment. We got four people, we bought the secondhand furniture, and that's really the bare minimum in order to get the ball rolling. And it was funny because when I started, I mean, we continued with market research, with business planning. My goal was to find a lot of clients and train the interns in parallel and then do at night uh, sales and then talking to clients and then training the interns again. And those few months were quite quite critical. And this is where I always say that as an entrepreneur, you really need to be passionate about the work that you do because only a passionate guy can actually work for 18 hours straight and still be motivated to get up. And honestly, the first few months, it is a high roller coaster that you need to survive because as a one-man show, you need to take care of marketing, of sales, on execution, of um, client management, on finance, on on legal part and and everything actually. So those were kind of a critical month for, for me and for my wife as well but I was lucky because we were doing the business together so she didn't miss me for 18 hours at home <laughs> but we were actually hand-to-hand together in the company yeah I've actually heard that a lot of entrepreneurs that they had a problem with the spouse even if it's a female working for whole day and then you came home and the spouse complained where have you been whole day and stuff so I actually got lucky on that part and As we started with companies, you know, you find an entrepreneur. They are excited. You do a market research. They're very happy. Then you actually say, well, you actually need a business plan now. So you're going to create the business plan. And at some point, they're like, well, thank you very much. And they continue on their own. And here I saw a gap that I don't know how to continue with clients. I mean, as a management consultant, I can do the research, the business plan, the consulting and everything. But there is no continuity in this business field. And then we added the, the lead generation part. And I've realized that everybody wants leads. They want daily, weekly, monthly, as many as possible. If you bring them 100 leads, they're going to grow their business. And this was the service that I saw. It had continuity. And actually, that was kind of a turning point for us because it was a high risk because I actually got a project in front of me that was, high, that was requiring 10 people, full-time employees, and we were four interns only for three months. So I figured out that what's the worst thing that could happen. Well, I'm going to hire 10 people. We're going to work for three months. And after that, I'll fire everybody. And that's <laughs> it. Just to take on the project because it was a lot of money. Yeah. And I did it. I actually did that part within the first six months of existence. And we grow to 15 people. And I was so excited and so happy. But then it hit me okay but if i want to actually keep these 10 people after the 3 months period and then you know you roll up your sleeves and like okay let's do this i was still dependent a lot of freelance platforms you know the the freelance geeks like ah uh, someone needs a database someone needs something and something and it was problem for 15 people to find work just on freelance platforms I somehow managed it because when the project ended, I kept everybody. But then the project said, well, we need another 10 people for six months. So then I just jumped to 25 people and then to 30 people. And at that point, I've realized that there is no way that I could survive just on freelancing gigs. Where, I mean, when you work on freelance, it is a huge market with a lot of opportunities. But also there is a huge competition. I mean, there are... um, the providers from, from low level countries, not low level, but actually with cheaper countries that can actually work for far less than the, the market price. And it's hard to compete on those kinds of pricing. And at that stage, I said, you know what? Actually, we need to start looking from clients outside the, the freelancing platform. And that was a problem for me because BSB had zero investment in marketing, in a website, nada. So we were very easy business model. You go on the freelance platform, you find a gig, you apply for it, you do an interview, you get the job, you delegate to the people. So when we said, okay, let's go to the open world, we had nothing, no social proof, no website. That was really, really hard for us. And here with the lead generation, I saw the the growth opportunity. Because once we started with email, with with LinkedIn, uh, with social outreach, we started getting clients fast and a lot. And as we started growing the company, it was very good that I saw the benefit there. And when the Corona hit, we actually hit the jackpot because everybody else that were doing physical B2B events and conferences and stuff realized that they need to switch to digital lead generation channels quickly. And for us, that was really transformational. Yeah, we also suffered a bit because we had to work everybody from home and and stuff. But we got a huge load of requests for our services. And now, 2020, during the the corona crisis, we said, okay, let's specialize. Let's kick out the consulting. Let's kick out the management and the business plan. Let's focus purely on B2B lead generation. And in addition to that, let's specialize in serving the high-ticket service providers. I saw a very unique demand here, Phil, in the B2B uh, high-ticket service providers is because there are not many alternatives for B2B service providers. I mean... You, if you have a 10K or 50K service, you cannot just put a Facebook ad and say, <laughs> buy my 50K service right here. And people are like, oh, very nice. Click it, swipe their credit card on a 50K. It doesn't work like that.
0: No, no. When you, when you start hitting over like 10K, Facebook ads don't really do the, the same damage that they do when it's under, under the 10K mark. So how, how, did you find, how did you create lead gen for yourself? Because obviously your business is lead gen now and yeah. you help businesses and that and you can find the leads for other companies how did you find the leads for your your company
1: well we do what we preach i mean we started with the email and with the linkedin and that was the unique angle i've realized that in more expensive services you don't pitch. You cannot just start going to people to call prospect and saying, hi, would you like to buy my service? No. Okay, next one. Hi, would you like to buy my service? No. Thank you very much. And then you're just burning the bridges because you cannot really follow up to to those people once they, they said, please stop bothering me. And the unique angle that we actually introduced was actually very simple. We didn't invent hot water. It was just, well, what if instead of trying to pitch, we don't do it. We actually start talking to human actually start nurturing them doing some chit chatting conversations and you know what's funny phil uh, we, we coined the term it's a digital outreach fever on a physical event when you go to a conference or an event you talk with people you know that you cannot talk to all five thousand people on that event you know you can talk 10 20 people mm-hmm. so you go to someone do some general chit chat about the weather about sports about whatever and you see if it is a good synergy then you get on a bit deeper conversation on what they do, what you do, and if there is a connection. The same people that understand that the the human conversation is important, when they go to online, they've realized that, yeah, if they create an email, they can send it to 1 million people, and then they start blasting with non-relevant content. And here is the small tweak that we did, is when we said, you know what, we don't sell. We actually reach out to people, try to talk with them, try to see if they have a problem. And even if they do, we're just going to invite them on a call. I'm not going to send on a LinkedIn, well, we have a package of 10K or 50K. Would you be interested in buying? Because it, it doesn't work like that. And if it doesn't work like that in physical world, why people think it works in online? I really don't know, but we coined it that people get that outreach fever realizing that if you send 1 million emails with a success of 0.00 something, you're going to get several leads, but you're actually burning 99.999 from the potential prospects. And here is actually how our approach changed because we just start mimicking the real life experience into the digital world. And it started working like magic. I mean, we have an in-house joke here that when someone sends you a LinkedIn invitation, you're like, if I accept, they're going to pitch me something, that's for sure. And we're like, okay, let's accept and measure whether they're going to immediately start pitching you or just going to wait a bit. And it is unfortunately a world where we live in. When you accept someone, your guard is like this. What do you want from me? What are you going to sell me? I'm not interested in buying anything. And it's far refreshing when you start reaching out to people just to engage in the conversation. Because it's not always about the sales. Many times it's just to get some feedback. It's like you're building a new platform, you want to get some feedback on it. Or maybe they don't have a problem at this point. And building the relationship gives you the option after three months when they get the need to say, well, there was one guy, Phil, he was really good at podcasting. Maybe now it's my time to reach out to them. So the whole goal with reaching out is to do the nurturing but also position yourself as an authority in the field so even if they don't have the immediate need even after two years two years if they realize that they need something that you are the go-to guy for it they should reach out to you
0: i love it, it and it, it's an actually uh, my first ever outreach if you will ended up being a nurturing it was a a guest on the uh, on the show um, nice. and we then became uh, he asked for some help and i'm like yeah sure i'll do it for free and connected him with some other podcasts because he wanted to be guests on other podcasts and being in the industry for over six years, you know, I was able to connect him with a, a multitude and then he came back and he's like, I want to start podcasting. And that was my first client uh, for my business. So I, I do <laughs> nice. see that nurturing. I haven't gone into the cold, uh, cold outreach, if you will, with email and that, but I usually do the warm interview them on, uh, on my show. Cause it allows that natural conversation to happen and you get to share so much knowledge and you see the synergy right there.
1: Yeah, but Phil, also the podcasting is also another alt channel where you get to meet call prospects, start building the relationship. Sometimes it will pan out into a service, sometimes it will not. But at the end of the day, you're positioning yourself as a go-to guy when it comes to podcasting. So even after One year from now, I'll be like, ah, I'll need to start doing some podcast. There was one guy, let me remember, was it Phil? Yeah, he was from Canada, if I remember. Let me find him on LinkedIn. That's the authority positioning yourself in in the field. And it works like magic because when I need to pay 10K or 50K about something, I'm not going to put a job at, I'm looking for someone to do it. I'm start looking inside my network. Who do I know that could actually help me in, in this area? And perhaps... Since I'm doing it, I'm expecting that other people are also considering I'm not going to find a foreigner and pay them a stranger and pay them a lot of money. I'm trying to fill it within my my circles. And our job is actually to help our clients to uh, enrich their circles with with high-ticket service providers. To give you an example, recently, we had a client from Ibiza, from Spain, and they were in the real estate. They were building huge mansions, and they were looking for investors of 10 million euros we were like, okay, that's serious enough. We can do it. So we screened entire Europe. We identified all the investors that are in the real estates, whether it's an individual, whether it's a venture capital company, whether it's a a conglomerate that do investment. And then we start reaching out to them. But the reaching out was nothing salesy, nothing pitchy. The main goal was to invite them to go on the yacht on Ibiza to do fishing with our clients. That was the end goal because... If they go on fishing, then they're going to get together. And then what you do, what I do, ah, oh, nice, maybe I should invest a few millions in, in your business. So that was really ex- exception because it was really high ticket. <laughs> yeah, that, that's,
0: that's the next level. That's how, you know, those th- the the 1% usually do their businesses on the beaches of uh, Ibiza or fishing. Golf.
1: golf is usually, you know, you play golf and what you do, okay, 20 millions, no, no problem. But... That, that's why maybe I'm making, when it comes to services, you have impulsive services, 100 euros, 500 euros. I'm thinking euros here in Macedonia. But within that price range, it's impulsive. I open your website, I scroll a bit, I like it, I don't like it, I connect with you, I swipe my credit card. If I don't like, even if, even if it's per month, I'll just cancel the subscription, that's it. Deciding on a new website, I'm going to ask a lot of questions I need to talk because it's one thing, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing an, uh, some project or, or campaign that I need to commit for six months, for 12 months, I definitely want to talk either with sales and try to get even a tailored solution based based on my needs. And it's really the human psychology that people, when you reach out, they'll get used to, to that someone will sell them something just, just by default. And It's funny, we have a saying here, uh, Phil, in in Bisbee. We try to do the outreach same as you go to a bar to meet girls. (laughs) So you don't really go to a bar, find the first girl on your knees. Will you marry me? Question. Maybe it will work, but not really often.
0: One in a billion, maybe it will work.
1: (laughs) Exactly. But why? Because you're asking for a big commitment, the ring, and they're like... Buy me a drink, beer. Okay, let's let us get to know each other first, and that's why the approach should be actually reaching out, get a drink, talk about some general topics with the girl about the weather, about sports. Okay, sports is a very bad idea, but Not just Montreal. trying. To...
0: Montreal is a very sports city, <laughs>
1: even with the girls. Okay, oh, yeah.
0: it's 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 hab fever here because we're in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs right now, so everybody. Everybody's happy for the Habs. We
1: we currently have the Euro Cup in football on the European level, so it is yeah. a big thing. Here. I, I,
0: I, 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 sometimes I freelance at, a, at my local bar, and so I had to work the Scotland England game.
1: Ah, nice.
0: And it was very busy, <laughs> very early in the morning, and very busy.
1: Draft beer yep. with the football, and that's it. And
0: a whole bunch of Scots and kilts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. And so my, my whole point with the relationship building is you reach out to girl, you do some chit-chatting. And if you see that you click, then you can have a second date, a third date, and eventually propose. If you don't see you click, that's it. You pick up your drink, you go to the next girl. Hello, how are you? <laughs> and, and, and take it from there. But that works in real life we're just trying to mimic mimic do exactly the same in in the business life and especially the more expensive the service the more it's like a building a relationship it's not like ah i'm going to build a 10000 20000 euros website and then ah, i didn't like let's just take another one and people when they're looking for an expensive supplier they're really thinking it as a as a getting married with someone as a getting a relationship and yeah, they want to get get a drink or two, get to know the people and do some chit chatting. And this is actually the unique angle that we try to do Phil. Nothing fancy, nothing a artificial intelligence or scrollers or, or scrappers or whatever. We're just trying to bring back that the human-to-human conversation. And it's really human to human because when you put a chatbot. People kind of know that they're not talking to a human. There, there's not the emotion. When you tell me about something about you, I can say that's terrible or that's fantastic or I can share some similar example with me and chatbots, at least not yet, are not there. It will take some time.
0: I think we have a, f- a few, uh, maybe a few decades before they start uh, mimicking the emotional intelligence of humans. Um, at the current speed it's going. But yeah, I I, I love how you guys are bringing back that human element because we've lost that in business. I feel that businesses now they're trying to shoot for as many people as possible. Whereas you guys are going for the, you're going for your ideal client. You want to find the the perfect partner for your business to help them grow. And you want to be part of their, 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 their story a part of their chapter. You don't want to be just a, a little note in the bottom. You want to be a full member exactly. of that chapter. So I love that. And,
1: and Phil, we also have an, okay. We have a lot of thinking in BSB, man. Uh, <laughs> another thing is that like, there are two ways how you sell. One is that you sit like this and there is a red Ferrari behind you. And you're like, if you like my lifestyle, you you should buy my services or my products. And that's really pushy. Two spots left, 97% discount. Buy now or although it's a virtual academy, there are two spots left. I really don't understand that. But (laughs) it's it's a virtual. You can have unlimited people, but still the scarcity and the urgency are drives that people buy. On the other hand, there are people... Consultative selling, nothing pushy. It's like, come on a call. I'll try to give you some free value. I'll try to give you some advices. If I was you, I would do it like this, this, and this. And that's it. If you want, you can do it on your own. But if you want an expert next to you, well, you should hire me so I can actually help you. And it's really two different worlds that work, that live in parallel. And as you said, when it comes to more broader audience you cannot afford to give some free advice and they're more like buy now with flashy lad like a slot machine you know <laughs> yeah, with it's the gambling the,
0: the fomo the new thing fear of uh, yeah missing fear out. of missing
1: out exactly and well with the consultative selling is like man i'm doing great if you really need my help you should chase me not not me actually as a salesperson chase you and then the sales becomes completely different because we don't even start seeing it as a sales field because our job is to reach out to cold prospect and find the people that have that particular problem that our client can solve. And that's it. If you have that particular problem, you should come to our client. He really knows how to solve that problem. And at the end of the, that sells because it's not, but I don't need that solution. Still come by, but I'm not really interested. Still, still come, come by. But trust me, more, you need it. You need it.
0: You need it. You yeah. need it versus where your guys are doing. It's like, Hey, This is our solution. Does it sound sound interesting to you? No. All right. Have a great day. Maybe down the road we can work together.
1: Exactly. And the whole point is to find enough companies that have that particular problem for our client. For us, it's different because I don't know a company that doesn't want to grow. And it's easy when I reach to someone. It's like, do you have leads? Yes. Well, you need more. (laughs) Or no, I don't. Well, you need leads. (laughs) Or well, I have it in house. Well, how many leads can you handle? And you know when. It's an opportunity. How fast can you grow? What if you start getting five to 10 new clients every month? And people are like, ooh, that would be nice. And then you have an opportunity. But that's for as a B2B lead generation agency. Mm-hmm. And when we reach to high ticket service providers, we know the pain. And that, that was my point, Phil. We don't try to work with everybody because... With the high ticket service providers, I'm saying, well, you cannot do ads, you can do content, but it will take a while for the SEO to catch up. You cannot just create a block and tomorrow a lot of clients. SEO takes time. So the outreach is the only reasonable way of how you can start generating prospects. And plus, in the high ticket service providers, it's a longer sales cycle. There are multiple people involved in the sales process. They need approval from approval from approval. And... Maybe that's why we specialize in this because we understand how high ticket service providers work and what is the best way how to actually not just pitch to cold prospect, but surround yourself with your ideal target profiles. And it's just a matter of time who will need your services.
0: I love it. I I love how you're just, you're reinventing. I love you're disrupting the game, but your taking-
1: thing too What's the disruption we're just returning back to the basics that's why i said we didn't invent some hot water there is a secret that we do or something we're just taking a step back it's like there is so much rushing by now was 70 discount black friday uh, cyber monday and stuff and we're like wait a minute why people are going that direction we're in physical life people are more more human to human they're not like i haven't seen a case Okay, maybe in very drunk states, but people going to girls. Hi, do you like me? No, thank you. Hi, hey, you, do you like me? No. Okay, next one. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really awkward.
0: Yeah, no, you 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 can sense the awkwardness when you have someone doing that. And but no, I I do. You're not disrupting, it, but you're. It's it's a different oh. mentality. You're you're taking the taking like the the way the one percent do their business, but you're bringing it down to how. Showing that you can do this for everybody, not just how the super rich do it. You can do it at any level and be that consultant and help them build their proper business and bring them the clients that actually will be not headaches, that are going to give them the the solutions they need and provide a, a robust growth for them.
1: It's interesting, Phil. I don't know any other way how high-ticket service providers can sell their services. They can try different routes, but it's not like, well, you can do it like this or like that, like that. You need to start building the relationships, whether you're going to choose LinkedIn as a platform or whether you're going to choose email or whether you're going to choose podcasting as a platform. The whole goal is that you have to start building the relationships. You cannot rush into buy my services, buy my services. And since I'm a strong believer, it's like, Okay, but there isn't other way how. And uh, 99% of all our clients are either consultants in terms of consultant, coaches, um, mentors, trainers, because they have high fees, and they're like, well, it's a tailored service. I cannot just prepackage it and start selling it. I need to talk with people, diagnose them, what kind of problem they have before I give them pr- the proposal. Then we work with a lot of marketing and sales agencies because marketing agency found us very complementary because they do SEO, social media content and stuff. And and when the client says, well, can you do outreach as well? They cannot. So they partner with us in order to serve a client better. And the third group that we work are the software companies, whether it's a software development company, which has pretty high rates for the developers. And if it's a several month project, it is a good money. (laughs) Or if it's a SaaS, software as a service, but then it's more toward the enterprise SaaS, where they know that, they cannot just put a Facebook ad and hope for for a lot of clients. I mean, a SaaS for two euros or five euros per month, they can get get away. They can actually do Facebook ads. It's not a good or bad thing. It's just in different sales levels, you need different sales channels in order to to do it.
0: Yeah, it's it's like you said. It's the different channels and the different levels of your price points. If your price point is a small price point, you can do the Facebook ads. You can do the common. Things, but when you start charging X amount, those the, those same common types won't work for you. So
1: Exactly, Phil. Sometimes we have meetings with software as a service, $10 per month. And we're like, you know what, we can do the outreach for you. But I don't believe that the outreach is cost benefit value for you. Because for ads, you can actually have cost per lead at a very low rate. And it's an impulsive 10 euros per month or they usually do even two weeks free trial, you can easily get a lot of traffic. With the outreach, it is a lot of labor-intensive process. We need to find the people. No, we first need to find the companies that are matching your ideal clients. And then we need to do some qualification within the company, whether they have multiple locations or multiple people or depending on the client needs. And once we qualify the company that they are good fit, then we're looking inside the company which positions and roles are good for the client. And then we get to the finding their email, their LinkedIn, their contact information. And this is all in the preparation stage before we say, okay, now we can start reaching out to them either through LinkedIn, through email, through different channels in order to, to start getting the, the relationship. And I've noticed that in addition to the outreach, you should have a parallel world with content creation, whether you should start doing daily podcasts or weekly podcasts or blog posts or a social media post because, yeah, people will connect with you on LinkedIn, but if you don't do any content, you're, you're going to be forgotten. And if it's a valuable content, people will start following you, you're positioning yourself as an authority in the field. The moment you position yourself as a go-to guy or authority in the field, you won. It's a game over. I mean, that's it. Uh, you just need to spread your word to as many people as possible. And it's only a matter of time where someone said, you know what, I actually need this. Yeah.
0: It's 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 true. You have to be, that authority is by not only creating the content, but also do it, reaching out to your clients and, and doing it, uh, becoming a friend. You're like uh, I re- re- I remember interviewing uh, a good friend of mine, Donnie, in the first season. He was my first guest, mm-hmm. and he, he's a network marketer. He, he uh, well, he he likes creating networks and helping networks grow and people using the network to grow. Just like, you know, you uh, look into their uh, client's network, and he was saying if you don't know your client's wife's name, because he j- 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 deals with one on one, or you don't know their their like a bit of their life story. that's not a client that's just a person you need to get to know your person you got to get to know them on a human level and so that when you do connect with them they feel like you're a friend
1: well phil it's it's very simple that's why i told you i don't know any other way it's not like well there is my way and there is another way for me it's really reaching out on a human level and perhaps maybe that was one of my biggest mistakes as an entrepreneur I didn't had the need to, to build those relationships at the beginning because I was not reaching out to people and start building a network and stuff. It was a freelance geek economy. I go, someone needs a business plan, they can afford to buy it. I'm applying it. I get the job. The people do it here in-house. I just get paid for it and that's it. And it was really a transactional relationship. They pay me for a task. But now, when you, as you said, it, when you know people and when you know what kind of... Uh, issues they have and, and their wife's name, it's it becoming more as a partnership. And same for me, because when I'm looking for a supplier, nobody wants to switch suppliers every month now and then. I mean, if I find myself a marketing agency that solves my problem perfectly and I get a constant input on what I need, that's it. I'm not changing it. I mean, there could be a cheaper option that comes in. No, I'm locked in with this part supplier. I'm happy with the communication. They know my wife's name in this case. <laughs> So I'm happy with the relationship. And that's the probably the differentiation of, of a nurturing in a relationship because if it's a transactional, the moment someone gives 5% discount, that's it, I'm just moving to another one. And even as a company, I have suppliers. It's a headache every time where you need to build a new relationship with a new supplier. So nobody wants to switch suppliers. It's just because people are not happy with the results, they are they must find a new supplier. Yeah,
0: no I- I think that's that's great. Um, I do want to jump into one or two of the questions that I had here because they're, it's, sure. I, I love some of your answers. Um, one of them is uh, w- the best lesson you learned from a success. You said, I, when I wish I knew when starting my business to find a niche as soon as possible. Being a generalist rarely works, especially when you're in the early days.
1: yeah Yeah. actually that's a good point (laughs) and a good question because you know when you're an entrepreneur you start a business and you're chasing the money because you are meant for hire someone needs a business plan let's do it someone needs some product sourcing let's do it lead generation of course so as long as someone can pay you you're gonna do the job and that gives you a so generalistic approach that you cannot get any insight or specialization. So in my case, I have a client from Australia and we were doing elevator spare parts research on Australia. In parallel, another client from Brazil, you know, hydrophilic coating and polymers and some biology stuff. And... You cannot take knowledge from the previous project into the next because you start everything from scratch, except that you have the framework based on which you do market research or, or business planning. And it's really, you start from scratch, from scratch, from scratch, and it's a lot of labor intensive and effort. While when we said, okay, let's specialize, and when we specialize in the B2B high ticket service providers, so it's not just B2B lead generation, but particularly to that target audience, because... In the B2B, there is also a lot of e-commerce websites and we don't know how to sell physical products, probably because all our experience is this field, but also the employees started specializing in, in this. So now when they see a consultant, they immediately know what are the tips and tricks that they need to change or what kind of problems they must be facing. So we resonate with the target audience. And it's not just that's for the efficiency part, but also from the market part. When you specialize with someone, your marketing effort gets crystal clear. When I write a blog, now I know that I'm talking to high-ticket service providers. When I'm doing whatever kind of marketing activity, I know that I'm addressing the high-ticket service providers. Before that, it's like, well, if you have the money, we can work for you. What do you do? Whatever you need. You need a truck to be offloaded with goods. If you have the money, (laughs) it's just a man for hire. With the specialization, we become uh, we have a comparison here. You have a generalist doctor and you have the neurosurgeon. And generalist doctor gets a lot of patients every day with a lot of diagnostics, and everyone is different. And and then, neurosurgeons do one surgery a week, that's about it. And who gets paid more?
0: The neurosurgeon.
1: Exactly. And that's what really got to me where I said, you know what, I would rather be a technical specialist, an expert in one small particular field, but big guru in that field, rather than be jack of all trades where I can do so many things in parallel. And it is a learning curve. It took me a while. Uh, That was like four or five years of doing everything when you think look we cannot keep up with this let's just focus on b2b generation and then it's still big field let's focus on the high ticket service providers so that was a really lesson learned that the faster you specialize that the easier the easier it becomes and another thing phil i if i can add it on top of, of this is that the faster you move from service to solution, to pre-packaged solution, the, the easier it gets. It really took me several years for this as well. Because as a service, you're fully customized, fully tailored. Someone needs a, a LinkedIn outreach, but without the messages, but with this, but without that, then you have no idea what kind of results you're going to get. And the key thing I've learned is people don't buy services. People actually buy the results. And when you pre-package something and For example, I saw on your website, you have three packages. It's like, this is this kind of package, it solves this kind of problem. This is this kind of package, it solves this kind of problem. It's much easier because when you're selling it, you immediately can say, well, the package includes X, Y, Z, but I want also this. That's not included in the package. Either you need to pay on top of the package or it's not involved in the package, and Client have clear expectations what they're paying for. And then when you do the same package over and over and over again, you can start guessing how much results you can do. You can start knowing the, like, if you take this package, you're going to add this amount of leads. And they're like, how are you so sure? Well, we've tried these steps for 20, 50 clients already, and this is the results that we're getting. While if you're doing hybrid every time, fully tailored, like, yeah, but for the podcasting, for lead generation, we're going to figure out some very new solution. When you ask, well, how many leads I can expect? I said, I have no idea. We're trying this for the first time, man. So the pre-packaging also helped me charge much more. Phil, honestly, when you're working as a fully full service, customized, you're charged per hour. And per hour, yeah, you can raise the hourly rate as much as you want, but at the end of the day, 8 hours, 10 hours, 15 hours, that's it. With the prepackaged solution, you are charging for the solution, for the result. Now, bear with me. I'm promising you 20 leads and you're saying, okay, how much is going to cost me? And I'm like, I don't know, 50 euros per hour. We're going to work X, Y, and Z, and you're going to get that lead. And you're saying, okay, I know how many hours I need to work to give you that results. On the other hand, if I told you, well, for 20 leads, I'm charging 1000 euros. You shouldn't be cared how many hours I'm going to spend on, on that thing. Maybe it will take me twenty hours, but then I'll be very motivated to become more and more efficient. Can we do it in eighteen? Can we do it in fifteen? If I'm paid by the hour, why, why the rush? I mean, I'm paid by the hour.
0: Yeah, it's I, I, you. You go back to the nine to five lifestyle. I'm paid. When you're working the nine to five you're paid by hour i only work my hours and i'm done thank you very much whereas
1: it's worse it's worse because when you're working in nine to five job at least you have one boss we in the free you have ten different clients ten different bosses with different mindsets and different desires so when i moved to to pre-package solution it was like a very good positive impact that we did in the company because sometimes you could solve a problem and it could take you just one hour now from the 20, you actually grow and figure out a way how to do it in one hour and you're still charging for the whole solution because people are paying for the solution to their problem. And that really changed the way we see here in BSB. Really completely different perspective. And there was really a thing that I saw somewhere. Uh, you know, a painter, he does a painting in five minutes and he's like, okay, this costs $10,000. And the people were like, well, there's no way that it costs 10000 It took you five minutes. And he's like, yes, but 20 years to learn how to do it in five minutes, that's what you're paying for. And it was really refreshing for me when we switched from service for this, service for this, service for this, but actually solution. If you want LinkedIn outreach, it's a prepackaged solution. It costs XYZ per month this is included we have add-ons if you want something extra of course you want growth it includes linkedin and email and it costs xyz if you want content creation strategy on top of this yeah we have that solution as well but you need to choose and many times we had clients like but i don't know what i need like you know when you reach out we have 5 10 different services you choose and he's like I don't know. You, you're the expert. You should tell me what do I need. And now with the packages, he's like, well, we have this package and this package and this, and then you can choose. And Phil, the moment we did that, it, it really changed the business, but also how we communicate with the clients and how our team started getting specialized in, in the packages that we offer.
0: Uh, I love that. Uh, niching down and just going down and becoming the master of one before you can generalize move out to the next level is i think you're being in the entrepreneur world I'm, I'm seeing a shift there that a lot of people are talking about the importance of not being a generalist but being that being that uh, master of one neurosurgeon Yeah, the neurosurgeon being the neurosurgeon <laughs> of it um we are coming up to the end i do i have two more questions i want to ask you before because sure. i don't want to take up too much time it is uh laid over where you are and you have beers waiting for you nice and cold and the uh the beach uh, close by as well. Um, I want, one of my favorite questions is, is finding out your ultimate goal. The, my entrepreneurs, when they're on their show, what is the ultimate goal uh, for you, what, what What is it that if I snap my fingers, you know, it's 50 years down the line, have you, re- you reached your goal? What is that goal you wanted to reach?
1: Well, we, we are inspired by growth. And by growth, I mean, I want to grow. Personally, as an individual, I want to grow my family in quantity. <laughs> I want to grow my business in, in people, in, in services. So I don't think it's one. I think it's an ongoing process, like a Kaizen continuous improvement. And plus, when you do the outreach, I have to say add this as well, you get the market feedback. It's not like I intended to end up in the B2B world. We started with the freelance gigs. We actually listened to the market and they were asking for leads. And then we said, okay, let's capture that opportunity. And then we said, well, what if we actually start doing LinkedIn? And by listening to the market, by doing the outreach, we started getting feedback. So the ultimate goal for BizBee is to become an authority in the B2B lead generation for high-ticket service providers. Yeah, it should involve the the outreach. It should involve the product market fit first, whether we are a good fit or not. Then it should involve the outreach. Then it should be involved the content creation in parallel, and all that is to get meetings. And from there, we want to also cover the part how to take it from a meeting to an actual client because that's also a psychology in the high-ticket service provider that it's really different than than than, than in a different world. And the whole goal, why we decided to work with consultants and agencies and, and software companies is that they are the driving force. They are the suppliers of other companies. So if we figure out how to help these clients, we are indirectly helping a lot more companies around the world. And you see, there would be a, I don't know a yoga teacher that actually needs a, a software. And if we help our client to find that yoga teacher, then we are really making a very big impact globally. And I mean, we have 400 and something clients so far in these five, six years. And I, if I just think about how many companies we've helped to get more clients to reach out to more people that had a particular problem, it really becomes infinite how many problems we've actually helped solve worldwide.
0: I love that. I love how you're looking to solve not only your clients' problems, but their clients' problems as well. And that, and just change the world for the better because making everybody a better place i love that that's that is the ultimate goal that is helping as many people as possible i love it
1: yeah we, we have several consultants that were more into digital transformation so they go to manufacturers and they cover the technical transformation but also the hr transformation so our goal is that if we help that client get a lot of new clients it means that he's helping a lot of manufacturers actually get better which indirectly it's getting even a bigger impact. And that's just one consultant that we are working with. We had quite a lot of entrepreneurs that were in the deep learning, in the artificial intelligence, in the blockchain technology. And just by helping that consultant, we know that he's going to impact a lot of clients and that, those clients. So it's a ripple effect at the end of the day.
0: I, I love it. Um, this is the question that I like asking because I'm a, I, I'm a voracious reader. I love reading a as many books as possible, spe- specifically on entrepreneurship now. Is since uh, since the beginning of 2020, I've shifted my mindset because I wanted to become an entrepreneur. Uh, been a nice. nine-to-five most of my life and only been surrounded by nine-to-fivers. And so being, being my own boss is something I've always dreamed of, but never really had the knowledge or the road path. And that's why I started this podcast, specifically to connect with as many entrepreneurs as possible. Um, what is one book you would suggest to someone deciding to jump into the entrepreneur world that would help them the most that you would recommend?
1: If you ask me in two months from now, I would say mine. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're writing a book. It's scheduled to be published in in August. I mean, I signed already a publishing house from from the UK, so I'm not publishing it personally, and it's going to be Sweet Leads." That's the title. Because we have the bees, so we have the honey, so we have the tweet (laughs) leads. I love it. And uh, it's really step-by-step on how to define your ideal client. From the ideal client is how to build a database of those, then how to actually prepare with outreach conversation starters rather than pitching, then how to actually execute the outreach campaign. When people start responding, how to nurture them through problem-aware, solution-aware, how to bring them toward the end goal or becoming a client. So sweet leads in August. That uh, should be my on, life.
0: One second, I'm just gonna gonna write that down. Uh, sweet leads in August.
1: Yeah, no, it's a commitment already made. It passed the first tier of editing. It passed the second tier of editing. Now the cover is finishing. So yeah, it, it's, it's happening definitely in, in August. But it took me like two years, Phil. Another recommendation to all the entrepreneurs, start writing a book. I'm not an author, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I know how to see a problem on the market and solve it. But even as much as I grow BSB, when I actually started writing the book, I found so many holes in my frameworks, in my methodologies. Because when you start, it's like a diary. Well, in phase one, well, identifying didn't thank your ICP, you should do X, Y, Z, because this is how we do it in BSB. Then I'm like, wait a minute, this is wrong. Why Why are we doing it like this in the first place? <laughs> so I go back to the company, I fix the methodology, and then I come back so I can write it. Okay, now we do it like this, this, and this, but don't do this and don't do that. <laughs> and honestly, it helped me reflect on the processes, on the services that we offer, on the solution, on the value proposition. And yeah, it is a lot of effort. It took me two years, not full-time, of course, mm-hmm. but as you start writing the concepts and the frameworks, you're putting it out there so as an authority boost it's going to help significantly because yeah you that guy wrote the book so we should use his services it works really and on the other hand it helped me internally improve the, the processes and the systems that we had here in Bizbee.
0: i love it i love it and i'm looking forward to reading it for sure uh please make sure you send me a link so i can purchase the book because i will definitely
1: no, I'm you a copy i would love to hear your your input on the book because oh. It's 200 pages only, but I think you'll find it very insightful because it's really based not, "Ah, I read somewhere about this, I read somewhere about that, but it's more, I made this mistake, don't do it. I tried (laughs) like this, it doesn't work. I tried like that, don't do it. So Here are the mistakes that
0: I made. Stay away from these and fix fix on these. I would uh, would be more than happy to give it a read and uh, give you my feedback because I love reading books. I have plenty of books all around and uh, I read at least... A hundred books a month, uh, not a month, a year. I mean, <laughs> are
1: you for a second?
0: <laughs> if I could do 100 books a hundred books a month, that's that, that would be impressive. I wouldn't be doing anything else, but reading. Uh, True. But no. <laughs> True. Um, so Danko, I'm going to just jump off screen. I'm going to give you the last five minutes to share with the audience where they can connect with you, where they can connect with B- B- Bisbee. I'm going to get it right. Mm-hmm. Bisbee and uh, how they can, maybe if they have are a high ticket, uh, in a high ticket seller, they can get in contact with you. So I'm just going to jump off here and the floor is yours. You don't have to use the full five minutes, but it's it is for you.
1: Uh, Of course, I wouldn't know what to sell in five minutes, we're in the consultative world, not in a pitchy world. But um, for everybody that's interested not in using BSB services, actually, but actually are considering to start the B2B outreach for their company, they should go to www.bisbisolution.com. Because everything i said is publicly available we share the knowledge for free so if you go under the resources we have an academy we have seven different ebooks like ebook on how to find your ideal client ebook on how to create the messages that resonate with the target audience an ebook how to do the execution or an ebook on how to nurture so that's really available out there. My whole point is not I have a secret. I'm not sharing it with everyone, anyone. My whole goal is to actually spread the word so everybody could actually use the outreach process that, that we invented. And by saying that, it's free. At the end of the day, not everybody can hire an agency so to be done for you service. Many people are saying, well, just give me the book. I'll read it. I'll, I'll do it on my own. And in that case, instead of doing all the mistakes that we did, go for the eBooks, they're free, absolutely free. Okay, we ask for an email. I mean, we are a marketing agency. So yeah, we are asking for an email for, for you to get the eBooks. But once you get that, have a look at them. We also do a weekly newsletter and a B weekly uh, blogs that we really try to provide everything that we've learned in those two weeks to be added in the latest blog. So without any pitchy or salesy thing like buy our services, Just start consuming our content because when you start seeing the value and everything that's in there, you're going to start wanting to to do the outreach. And the whole goal of this podcast guesting, me, was that actually to just inspire more entrepreneurs. There are a lot of people in the corporate world that are considering whether to to follow their passion. You should do it. And there are a lot of people that are already entrepreneurs and there are so many channels on how to grow your business. There are. I mean, when there are more than 50 different channels just for lead generation, you can do webinars, you can do events, you can do outreach, you can do podcasts. There are so many channels, but based on the type of service or product you have, you should see which channels are really best for you. So the outreach is not a one solution fit all. That's why I t- said that it's really more for, for more high ticket service providers, because in those areas, you really need to, to get the, the relationship building part i think that that was less than five minutes for sure
0: <laughs> that was but it was perfect um i want to thank Danko for being a, an amazing guest here and sharing his journey with us and the stories and the awesomeness how he's not changing he's just bringing back the old ways to show that it's still valuable and works perfectly well so Danko, i want to thank you so much for being a guest and uh Make sure you check him out because uh, you definitely know I'm going to be going on the website to get those free e-books. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to your book in August.
1: Yeah, Phil, when you come on our website, you see that each part of the service is a separate B. So for the market research, there is an inspector with a loop trying to find <laughs> something. For the database building, we have a hunter that actually hunts lead. For a copywriter, we have like a guy with a feather here on his ear. <laughs> all in B scenarios. But Phil, I really appreciate for inviting me on, on this podcast. I ho- really hope that I tried to inspire some, some of the entrepreneurs and hopefully people will get more into business and the economy will grow and, and everybody will be at a better place.
0: I couldn't have said it better and that's the best place to leave it on. So listen to this podcast and invest in yourself and uh, you'll see where it goes. Hey, I want to thank you so much for listening to the episode. I had such a great time talking with our guest. Now, I have one simple favor to ask of you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a family member or a close friend so that they can learn from this amazing entrepreneur. I thank you so much for being a fan of the show and just being an amazing human being. And I can't wait to see you guys on The flip.